Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Terry, who is living abroad in New Zealand. Now, Terry is from Jamaica, and she went to move with her husband and her son to New Zealand. She is a physiotherapist, and on this episode, she discusses what life is like in Jamaica, why she decided to move from Jamaica, and what the future holds for her and her family in New Zealand. And of course, we speak about her favorite things about New Zealand. Hope you enjoy. This is In Loving Color, Abroad. Terry, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How are you doing? I'm good, and thanks for having me. No problem, anytime. So, Terry, please start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, please. So, I'm Terry Ann Samuels James. I'm originally from Kingston, Jamaica. And two and a half years ago, I decided, both for personal and professional reasons, to venture to New Zealand to give it a try. And two and a half years later, I'm still here with my family and we're enjoying it. Awesome. So, two and a half years in New Zealand. So, as I'm sure this is on many people's uh, mind that are listening to this episode, why New Zealand? <laughs> Um, it, the story starts a little before the why, the country itself. So my husband used to travel for professional soccer and he would go to amazing places. But because we had a young son, I was based with our son in Jamaica. So yes, we would travel to him, but I wanted an adventure where I was the reason we were traveling. Mm. And I looked at somewhere that would be good for a family. Um, I am a physiotherapist, so I also wanted somewhere where the transition would be easy with my profession. And yeah, and it was Finland, New Zealand, or Canada. I have lots of family and friends in Canada, so I kind of looked at it like that wouldn't be an adventure. Finland is just too cold. That's just too (laughs) cold for me. So New Zealand ticked the box. That literally was it. I had never been. I had never traveled. It was on my bucket list, but I won't even say it was in my top five. Wow. It just ticked all the boxes. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and so how did that process work? You said you're a physiotherapist. So did you did you go there without having a job lined up in your practice or how did that happen? Well, I have a practice in Jamaica mm-hmm. and I had also reached, I guess, the peak of my professional goals at the time. I will never say never because I wanted to grow more, but I felt like mm-hmm. it was wasn't enough there. So I said, okay, let's in looking for the country, I looked at a country that would have like a work visa situation or benefits for persons like myself and that actually was the longest part of the process meaning getting my res- my license to practice here that took about six months for them to process the paperwork and whatever and yeah so being a physio helps because we're considered an essential service mm. or a long-term essential service something that the country needs and is willing to assist you with coming into the country and give you a long-term visa based on that so yeah that's awesome and you say your husband is a professional soccer player 
Yes, so he spent years playing in the U.S., Canada, Malaysia, Vietnam, and then more recently when we moved here to try and allow the family to grow. Mm. He um, played in a couple teams here, but they're not first division. They're more Mm. like, yeah, a little bit lower. So he was more doing that for the family, yeah. And um, you said he played in the U.S. I follow soccer here in the U.S. Uh, what is his name? <laughs> his name is Horace James, and he played with he played second division in Atlanta with Atlanta Silverbacks. Oh, um, right okay. before, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's very awesome. Congrats to him. And so, for those that are listening, obviously everyone's familiar with Jamaica as far as the tourist landscape, right? As you, as, mm-hmm. as you know, Jamaica is a tourist hotbed. Millions of people go to Jamaica every year to travel. And, you know, visit the beautiful country. But from your perspective, you were born and raised in Jamaica, correct? Yes. All right. So how would you describe uh, everyday life in Jamaica to those tourist eyes and minds? <laughs> I honestly, my my mind, maybe if you ask me, my answer would be different five years ago when I was there. But I love Jamaica. Moving away from Jamaica as making me more of a tourist now. There's nowhere more beautiful. I mean that. Every beach is pristine. Um, The culture is so rich, from the music to the food to the way in which we socialize and engage with people. And I mean, I didn't prepare this answer. This is just a fact. It's We are warm from our hello to our goodbye. It is genuine. And when people ask you how you are, they actually mean it. They want to know how you are doing and what can they do to make you feel better in a lot of ways. And you see that extended throughout the culture. So as a tourist, if you go into Jamaica, whether it be with an all-inclusive resort, which I always recommend because it has everything, but also venture outside to see the landscape, you'll see that throughout our history, which the history of Jamaica basically is um, slaves were taken from Africa brought to Jamaica where they were actually traded to be used in the U.S., in the Americas, as well as in Britain. So, and a lot of the strongest slaves stayed in Jamaica. But we also were, and still are, the primary, um, so persons of African descent are the primary population type. But we're very diverse because when slavery was abolished, we got a lot of indentured servants from all over the world, India, China, and other cross-sections of life. So now our motto is out of many one people, and you really see that. So when you enter Jamaica, you really do get to see our heritage and our history in everything that we are. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, if, if that's not a <laughs> if that's not an inspiration to go, to go to Jamaica, then what is right? That was really good. <laughs> um, so, all right, we spoke about uh, life in Jamaica. So, how what what were you most worried about when you decided, okay, I'm leaving Jamaica, I'm going to New Zealand with my family? What were you most worried about? I always look back at that decision and go, I was just, maybe I was high. Maybe I was crazy. I was not high. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I was crazy because I didn't worry. I was like adventure ready. And I mean, I think I'm relatively level-headed, relatively. But I wasn't, I just, I didn't worry. I said, okay, the crime rate in New Zealand is super low. And that's like historically documented. Mm-hmm. 
I had a job lined up because of the essential nature of the service. I had multiple jobs lined up. I just had to pick one. The hardest bit, like I told you, wasn't getting the job. It was getting the license. Mm -hmm. Got that. Um, We got the visa maybe in two weeks after. And we were out of Jamaica six weeks from getting my license. It was a very quick move. So maybe it was, maybe that's my answer. I didn't have a concern in the beginning because I did my homework. It looked good on paper. And then we moved so quickly after getting the go ahead that I didn't get a chance to worry. Wow. That's pretty awesome to that. <laughs> Cause I, you know, obviously <laughs> I, I'm coming in from the aspect of I'm a, I'm a single, single guy, no children. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you are married with a child. So I would think, what about the family component? Were, were you and your husband worried at all? Like, what is it going to be like to raise our, you know, raise our child in a new country? That's, what, were you, what were you thinking about that? Okay, that's okay. I think I can better do that one. Sorry about the last <laughs> one. I really no, you're it. fine. Um, that's a great answer. You're being honest. <laughs> my husband, I think, wasn't worried. He just wanted to make sure it was a good decision before we jumped the gun. I think he was being the logical one. And he came ahead of us so he came to new zealand that's why it took six weeks to move because he wanted to see it first so he came over for i think two or three weeks um started in wellington because our options were wellington Toronto, and auckland he went to wellington and then he came to auckland that's where we reside now and he liked it we had some friends from back home living in auckland and he stayed with them and checked out the landscape and he's like it's not a bad place it's safe like they say it's clean like they say people are friendly and we looked at one particular school for our son actually that's the main reason we ended up in Auckland because my son was going to a really good prestigious school in Jamaica Woolmers Woolmers High School for Boys where my father went and my sister went to the girls school so it's like a family alma mater and that was a big thing for us Taking him, he was then 13, um, and he was very comfortable in his school. So that, I guess, was a concern that he would be happy. But he's also very personable, engaging. So I knew he would fit in, and he does. But we picked a high school, so he now goes to McLean's High in Auckland. And that really determined which job I picked, where we lived, because <laughs> we had to be in the school zone. Uh-huh. So we really we really made a lot of our choices about settling where we settled and how we settled around him. Because mm-hmm. that was important, because we're grown. Yeah. Our personalities are what they are. He's the one that's developing, so... To answer that question, the concern for a family was really him and placing him in an environment where he would grow. And his one thing was he was going to an all boys and he said he wanted co-ed. So we picked a very prestigious co-ed school and it's public at the same time. Mm. So he gets a nice interaction and it's fun and joke aside. His school is stunning. It's on the waterfront. It has multiple activity fields like rugby, soccer, tennis, everything, everything. So if anything, I'm happy with the choice we made for him. Mm. Awesome, awesome. And so what would you say has been the easiest transition in moving into, into New Zealand? Work. That has been the easiest transition. Mm. Work has been the easiest. It's different. The way they practice, they still offer a high standard of care delivery and all of that great stuff. 
but it's different in like the whole they see patients. So there was still a learning curve, a steep one in the beginning, but now that I'm comfortable with it, to be honest, the work and the familiarity of physiotherapy and the fact that I identify as a physiotherapist mm-hmm. to my core doesn't hurt. So it makes it easy. Nice. And what would you, are, were there any hard transitions you can think of? Of course, culture shock. Like I came here naive. The first answer was the truth. I didn't have any worries. And I never thought of a culture shock because even in my travels, I was there for six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks, you know, mm-hmm. at a time. So you were able to enjoy the culture, but not, not have that need to feel immersed in it or be a part of it in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the culture shock and just, identifying that this is not my home was a bit hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the accent, they speak English, so it wasn't a language barrier. It was just that what was normal for us, being extremely colorful people and personalities in Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, it was a bit, I think, I found that I felt, I'm not putting this on anyone, I felt I had to quiet down, dull down, calm down, almost shineless (laughs) in order to fit in more. Wow. And that was hard for me. I remember this is, and I add my disclaimer, Mm -hmm. this is me talking about my experience Mm -hmm. and me. New Zealand Mm -hmm. is a lovely country and I think many different people have met so many expats, um, white, black, brown, and we all have transitioned differently. And I'm still here. We're looking at residency. So clearly I like it. Mm -hmm. Clearly. But it was different. And I'm just now in the last probably year learning to shine more and still accept that I can find the middle ground. Mm, That's very interesting. And how would you, and for, um, so for me, for example, I, I also experienced culture shock in Costa Rica, but it was a little bit different because I knew the language, I speak Spanish, and I also, given my complexion, and I'm also Latino, so I can pass for the people that are here, the locals. So how was it moving from a predominantly black country like Jamaica to a predominantly white country like New Zealand? It wasn't too bad because I had, I traveled to the U.S. a lot. I did my doctorate in Florida. So I was in Florida a lot. I have family and friends in Atlanta, Florida, mm-hmm. um, all over. Like, so I've been in the U.S. regularly from as a child going, you know. So even though the predominant population in Jamaica is of African descent, mm-hmm. so mostly black, um, and travel to countries where I was a minority frequently. So being a minority wasn't a problem. And New Zealand, I will tell you, I say this to people often at present, they're very diverse. They're just learning to be inclusive, meaning, and my son's generation is going to get it mm. because they go to school with each other. But you have a lot of people like me, brown, white, Asian, um, black, coming in here, even though the the majority are of European or Caucasian descent. You do have the indigenous people. Um, and New Zealand really, really respects them or they're learning to respect them in the way that the government identifies them as original people versus a lot of other countries like the United States of America and other places where the indigenous population is kind of 
disregarded in the political spectrum Mm -hmm. or in the governmental spectrum. So I felt that that wasn't uncomfortable. I don't, like anywhere you travel, anywhere, you're going to get stared at, you're going to get looked at when you're new and different and have this big curly hair, so sometimes you get those... Um, my husband's very striking, muscular, dark-skinned man. So you do get the looks, right? Mm-hmm. But would I say I get the? Would I say I get the like a discriminatory or discomfort from them? I honestly can say no. I know I've spoken to people who have, and I have had one or two one-off, uncomfortable exchanges with older persons of European descent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I'm going to choose the phrases. <laughs> um, and they've, they've always been older. And in my experience, they've only been men. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple Asian women. Older Asian women also act oddly mm-hmm. towards me. But yet again, I had traveled to Asia with horsing in Malaysia and Vietnam. I had traveled there and I had gotten, gotten real, real like racial racially based behavior patterns towards me i won't call it i won't just say racism because mm-hmm. i think in some cases they're not racist they're ignorant to difference yes. they're ignorant to diversity and i had seen a lot of that ignorance in my travels good bad and indifference so coming mm-hmm. here honestly new zealand is the most to answer you finally new zealand <laughs> is the most diluted version of that it's not perfect mm-hmm. but it definitely is not one of my hangups and i'm not like i'm not one of my concerns gotcha gotcha uh what do you miss about home everything <laughs> <laughs> everything See, that, that's so such an people. interesting thing that's such an interesting thing right because it's i feel that when you live abroad as you have right now two and a half years and i'm, I'm in my ninth ten month here in costa rica I miss a lot of things about home as well, right? But then, like you said, but you're okay where you are. It's such an interesting state of mind to be in where you're okay with where you are. You like where you are. You're going through your residency. I'm considering staying here a little bit longer term as well. But yet you can still miss things, right? You can still miss home and miss it a lot. So I think it's just very interesting. And I want to really um, bring that home to, our, to people that are listening that are not living abroad is that you can be in two places at once in your mind, That's in a sense. <laughs> you can miss home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you can still be okay where you are in the present tense. So I think it's just very interesting. But yeah, go ahead. Um, what do you miss about home in um, particularly? The people. The people. I, when I went home, so the first time I went home since we moved was last year, July into August. And it was the people. I thought I would visit every beach. I thought I would eat every single food. Um, And it was, I just tried to see as many people as I could. The conversations, the the people who've had babies that I haven't gotten to meet. I close my eyes when I'm answering it because it was the people. It was the warmth, the, the communication, the understanding, the cultural there is something that language, having the same language cannot offer, that having the same culture can always communicate mm, better with. Yeah. And that's what that was. I will say to persons listening as well that you can be in two places and you can choose one mm. because I believe with my desire to grow professionally, New Zealand is the place I need to be right now. And for my family... There are three points to that triangle. Mm. How do 
you have to decide where do we better fit. There is no perfect. There is no perfect. We're a triangle and everywhere is a different shape. But where does that triangle, where does that three-point life fit? And our three-point life as a unit fits in New Zealand better, where my son will thrive, I will thrive, my husband will thrive. And maybe if we move back, maybe not everyone would thrive. So that's the concern there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, right, I, th- I think in your position where you are you have a husband, you have a child, you said that three points, where me, I'm just a singular entity in a sense, <laughs> where I'm just, I decided I was in a couple of Costa Rica for, for both personal and professional reasons, right? And I think in your situation, that's where it's so great to hear that you said you didn't have any worries, right? Because there's so many things you have to worry about, though. Like you said, is my husband going to be happy? Are we going to be happy as a, as a unit in a relationship? Is my is our child going to be happy? Is it going to feel safe? And all these other things that come into the mind as you being you, a person, you being a wife, you playing all these roles, being a mother, right? You being a professional. So there's so many things that come into in someone in your position. I really applaud you for saying you had no worries or no doubts when you first left. Because when I left, I had many doubts and many worries that it was just me. <laughs> so I think it, it speaks a lot to... um having like you said doing your homework being prepared and i and i guess yes. it comes with also faith right like you have to have faith in yourself that you can make it work like whatever you're gonna do you can make it work but yeah yeah and i i did have things in place like that's mm-hmm. important to note it wasn't that i was void of all concern mm-hmm. life has taught me that doesn't matter where you live doesn't matter what you do there is going to be a risk mm-hmm if we stay still, there's a risk. If we move, there's a risk. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, it wasn't the lack of war. It was the understanding that, forgive my choice of words, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just how I deal with it. And I think we did our best to align ourselves with the circumstances we were walking into. I mean, there were hiccups along the way. Like I said, getting here and immersing myself and learning, that's where the what did I do? Are you crazy? (laughs) That didn't come into play. But you still look at it and you go, which one fits us better where we are now in our lives and keeping a dialogue open to see how they are thriving, if they're thriving, what's difficult. And then the next question to ask yourself is, if I move, will those problems change? That's really Mm. important too. Like, okay, Maybe I'm not doing so great professionally right now, but with this economic climate, and I'm not speaking for myself, I'm just using an example. Mm -hmm. With this economic climate, do I move back? Will it change? Will it get better? Will it get worse? Or will it just be a band-aid on a deeper problem? So, Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's that's really insightful um, to hear. So now let's talk a little bit more about New Zealand as a whole. So this is going to be kind of our last component of the interview of the mm-hmm. conversation. I would say it's always lovely conversation to speak to people from all over the world. And so it's going to be like lightning round kind of questions. What is your yeah. favorite place or spot to go to in New Zealand? That's tourist. That a tourist. Waikiki, Waikiki Island. It's off of Auckland. Um, you can use Half Moon Bay Marina to get to it. So you take a ferry. What's so great about that place? <laughs> well, it's it's wine country, literally. So it's more of a vineyard-based um, lifestyle. Um, it's relaxed. It's beaches. It's, a, it's an island life. The personalities of the persons over there is very calm. They're very comfortable with diversity and chores because it's, it's either you live there or you're visiting there, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. 
I just love it. And the vineyards are lovely. The vineyards are lovely. The wines are amazing. They sh- from all world-class wines that ship to all over the world come from that island. Oh, and is Wahiki, that's the name of it? Mm-hmm. Okay, W-A-I-H-E-K-E, I believe. Okay, Wahiki Island, there you have it. And what is your favorite dish? I will say maybe I need to I need to go and delve more into New Zealand maybe because I find that their palate is eclectic, like I said, they're diverse. <laughs> but um I don't know if they have like a dish. Um the indigenous people have though I don't want to say the name wrong. It starts with an H and I know how I know how it's spelled, but I don't want to say it, but it's they cook it in the earth, like mm. Food that they cook in the earth. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. I've had that before. Um, but I don't, I, honestly, I can't think of a dish. I like the sushi over here. <laughs> I like some of the sushi restaurants because it tastes really authentic. <laughs> well, that works. They're very big on fish and chips. They're oh. very big on fish and chips. Okay. But I'm not a big fish and chips kind of girl. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I don't I'm yeah. not into that either. <laughs> All right. And what is your favorite phrase? Is there a phrase you've heard that you kind of come to love in these two and a half years? <laughs> there are a couple. They, instead of saying going hiking, they say they're going tramping. Tramping. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I kid you not. That's a thing. That's not check it out. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> what else? They say sweet as. So like sweet as pie, but they say sweet as. That's it. Ah, interesting. Okay. Or they'll say as. So they'll say... It was hot as. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing after it. There's just, it's ah. hot as, it's cold as, it's funny as. And yeah. that's it, they don't Those finish are some it. Weird ones. <laughs> no, they don't. They think they finished it because they're emphasizing how yeah. funny it was, how hot it was. But every time for at least a year and a half, that got to me. <laughs> and do you catch yourself using any of them? <laughs> Oh, heck yeah. Those are the ones, or tweak. They say they'll tweak something. I mean, they'll fix it or they'll, they'll tinker with it mm. till it works. Mm. Mm. They'll t- or they tweak their back. Like, and they'll tweak it <laughs> so their back tweaks, so they hurt it. And I've, I found myself using that. I found myself saying um, hot as, tired as. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Definitely. Awesome. awesome. I've, I've caught the bug. <laughs> and one last final question, because as you obviously are very aware, there are many um, people of the Caribbean diaspora and from Jamaica as well that are living in the United uh-huh. States. And I also have Jamaican friends living, I'm from New York, that I know in New York City. Uh-huh. How? What would you say, what advice would you give to someone that comes from a small island, because Jamaica is a small island, and you're moving literally halfway across the world? <laughs> what just, what's something you would say in 60 seconds to be like, you know what, not only can I do this, but you can do this too? I'll give you the floor. I think that coming from a small island has prepared you to live anywhere and travel anywhere and teach yourself anything because travel is the single best educator. Your small island showed you one perspective and it being a small island means that you saw various forms of hardship, no matter your socioeconomic status, you saw hardship in some way and you had to work for limited resources. With travel, you'll be exposed to more resources and use those resources to make you better. So if you're going to travel and you want to try something new, identify where you are in your life, what it is you want for yourself, what do you want to learn, and then find somewhere that will offer those things to you and go for it. 
anywhere will be hard. Anywhere will be a learning curve, even if you stay still. But growth only happens when we're moving. I hope you really enjoyed that episode with Terry. I think she ended it perfectly. You know, this idea of you have to keep moving no matter what it is in your life. And that really resonated with me and and this idea of, you know, not just moving abroad, but physically moving, but mentally in your mind, you know, moving from the past and continuing on on this journey. Right. They say life is a journey. And I think she's really is a testament to that of this. You know, she was she wasn't too concerned, honestly, about moving. She just knew it would be a challenge as she was ready for it. I think sometimes half the battles that we face as individuals when we encounter change or when we know change is needed is this idea of just doing the change scares us too much, even though we know we need it. So we kind of work against our best interests sometimes. So it was just really nice hearing from, you know, someone that I'm single, right? I'm single here in Costa Rica, no children, no family. She is married and she has a son. And, you know, these are things that she said three points of the triangle that she needed to, you know, concern herself about. So I think it's really powerful to hear that from Terry. So I'm glad she was on. But yeah, so next week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Deirdre, who is living in Bali, Indonesia. I'm very excited about this episode. Deirdre has traveled to over 60 countries. She is a move abroad guru. She holds a master class on moving abroad. And she discusses, obviously, all things travel and living in Bali. Stay tuned for that one next week. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite stream platforms. See you next week. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.